Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to UB Known Podcast. This is something I've never really done before. It's going to be an, a little insert before I get into the chapter two. First off, I want to promote Red Metal Barbie, who's coming out this month on the 24th. Y'all give her a follow on Twitter. Y'all give her a follow on Instagram at the same name. Give me a follow on Twitter at podcast underscore you. That'd be fantastic for me. Uh, drop me a line too on here on Anchor or on Twitter. Drop Red Metal Red Metal Barbie too. Y'all drop um, a line to them as well. If you have any uh, questions, anything you want to say about the podcast, anything you want to say in general, if you have a story, let me know. Let's let's get together and talk about something. If you got a story, maybe we can do an episode on you. If you if you want to, that's fine with me. I would love to have that. Uh, Drayvon Lee is going to be chapter two, and I'm about to go ahead and play that for you. Here, I do want to go ahead and put a disclaimer out there. There is some uh, explicit language. There is some homosexual uh, things that happen because that's you know his story. I, I thought that that was really what his story was about. It turns out it's really not. You you know somebody for a very long time, and you just really don't know where they come from or why they are the person they are. And and I thought that Drayvon was going to talk about being in a little town and being homosexual and being black in a predominantly white town. It's just not that. And, and, and it, it threw me kind of for a loop. But it was also endearing to hear his story and where he came from and what he's what has happened to him over the last 35 years. It is amazing, and it's not what you think it is. I do have that disclaimer on there because there are some things that he did go into, but please give this a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, Chapter 2, Drayvon Lee. And hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Rip Stone. Welcome to Chapter 2 of You Be Known, my little podcast, my little project. I am here with Draven Lee. Hello, hello. How are you doing, sir? Fantastic. It's been a long day, but it's my weekend. It's better now. Yeah, weekends are always way better. Yep. It's also my wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary. Five years today. Five years, five years, that is. Before we get into all that, I do want to say happy, happy anniversary. Thank you. First time. Thank you. I do want to promote uh, Red Metal Barbie. Uh, she's crazy, man. She's going to be a lot of fun. She uh, The uh, Red Metal Barbie comes out the 24th this month. Stay tuned for more on that in later episodes. Uh, but we are on Chapter 2 here. So, Draven, how yes, are sir. you, sir? Ah, uh, once again, I'm so much better now. Yeah, well, hell yeah. I'm off work, so, you know, we have real jobs. We do have Besides real jobs. doing this, yeah. It's, we, yeah. It's a struggle. Full-time employee, full-time student, How full-time old are you? husband. And let's get into a little bit more about you. Well, I am 35 years old as of right now. I'll be 36 in June. Um... Ben, I well, first off, I am an out and proud homosexual. I have been since I was 14. I'm gay and I'm here to stay. Um, <laughs> I, right? I've been with my husband for, we've been together for 16 years. We are celebrating five years married today. Um, it's fine. I, I, was, I never thought I'd be able to get married. So it's pretty cool. I live in a place that allows me to do that. Um, we have adopted five children. We have four boys and a girl. We've had them for about seven to eight, eight eight-ish years now, seven, eight. How old are they now? Now, they range from 19 to 24. The oldest will be 25 this year. Wow. And he just graduated college. My second oldest uh, is in the Air Force. My youngest is a nursing student. So, gotta say, life's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Big big chilling? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. It's all good. Yeah. yeah, there's bad crap. There's shit every day. Yeah. It just is what it is. You just get through it. Oh, I'm with you. Same here. Let's uh, let's talk about your story. Tell me where your story starts. Well, 
my story ties into my biological mother's story for um, if you did not know, which you do because you know me almost as well as I know myself, I am adopted, as Rip is, and my story starts in roughly 1960, no, well, 63. Uh, my mother was born in December of 63, so, so the story starts. Yeah. My biological grandmother uh, had an affair. With an African American gentleman, and she was she was white, obviously. From what I understand, I've never met her. Don't know. I've just talked to her on the phone twice, but I believe there is some there is some Caucasian in there as well as I believe some Latin somewhere. <laughs> um, reason being that one of her other daughters spoke fluent Spanish, and I and I never got to meet her, but I've talked to her. I talked to her on the phone up until let's see, I've. Started talking to her in 2008. She died in 2011 due to breast cancer. Um, so my story starts in 1963. My mother was born, and my mother was also adopted. So the story is, once again, my grandmother had the affair with the black man. And after she had my mother... Which is very, very, very frowned upon where she was at, right? In the 60s in small town Texas. I'm not going to say which small town that we hail from, but it's like population a thousand or less. Damn. Yeah, where everybody knows your business. Was it predominantly black or was it predominantly white? The town? Yeah. White. Okay. So I'm going to assume she was, or my grandmother is She's still living. She's in her mid-80s right now. Um, I'm going to assume she's whitish. I'll say whitish because I am blackish, which is what I call it. I am mostly black, but I do have, well, actually, let me rephrase that. I am what, what I call an Oreo. I'm, <laughs> you can say half and half or 60-40. You can. I can't say that. Or so. I could say 60-40-ish. Uh. 60 white, 40 black. Well, in small town Texas, this affair happened. Nobody else knew about it, but she ended up pregnant. So when it was time for her mother to be born, she went to hospital, birthed her, and pretty much uh, gave her to some friends of hers. Because okay. my mother, my grandmother did not want the stigma of her having an actual affair. Right. So, that happened, but the weird thing about it was, is, I don't know if this was just a standard practice in the 60s, especially 63 in the early 60s, but maybe it was just done for protection, but when the family friends adopted my mother... The birth, the birth records, not the adoption records, the birth records, nigga, were changed. So instead of my mother being born, we'll say her name is Carolyn Dawn Jones. Yeah. On December. On December. Actually, was close. Very close. Thank you. December 5th, actually. Okay. December 5th, 1963. She was born, uh, on her birth certificate, she was born, even though she was born Smith, or, yeah, yeah. even though she was born Smith, she was, on her birth certificate, Caleb Don Jones. So you can pay Black to baby, that. birthed by two white folks. If, yeah, if I were to, I mean, two. if, this is just coming from my head. Just so the baby was know. black, your mother. Baby black, yes, I am I am once again and so, a mixed race. So your your mom was born black, mm-hmm. and she was given to a white family. Yes, they'll show black on her birth certificate, but legally changed. She was born to these specific people. Wow. So was she adopted though, or no? Technically, yes, she was. That okay. I guess that, I'm not sure if that's how adoption practices were. The 60s, or if it was just some kind of a cover up for something else that I it had to be a cover up for something else because the adoption records in the 60s are actually pretty clear, yeah. Because I've been tracing 
my biological lineage for five-ish years. And my, I guess the word would be, term would be legal lineage. Yeah. For uh-huh. about 15, 20. Yeah, it would be legal lineage. So after that happened, my mother, you know, her name was changed and she was Carolyn Dawn Jones. Whichever the second family was, I said. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember because, yeah. It's There's crazy. too many names now. Yeah. They went on. So she was brought up in this white family. Very well taken care of, I guess. You could, they weren't very, they weren't very, you know, they, they got by, but it, they weren't rich. Right. They were, you know, middle class, maybe mid to upper middle class. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. Uh, beginning that it got it went to shit later, but um, you know as most of it does here. Yeah, it's small town America. <laughs> um, was raised, you know, her and my now my adopted sister. Uh, this my story is like I said, I was uh, a war. I was never legally adopted. I was what, what is called a ward of the court. Uh-huh. At seven. At right? seven years old. So a ward of the court is we'll say that Rip is not going to adopt my child in the event that I die, but he will be the legal guardian. So it's kind of the legal guardianship. Okay. Alright. But they were my parents. I was I was right. young. I mean by the time from birth to seven, my mother died when I was 15 months old. Okay. I was born in June of 83. She died in uh, September of 84 during Labor Day weekend. Um, She had gone. My mother had a bit of a wild streak. Liked to party. When did she start having kids? Because you have... I'm the only one she had. And she got pregnant in 1982. It was her senior year of high school when she got pregnant. Right. She would, had almost finished. Um, she dropped out right before she had me because you know, maternity leave. I mean, you got to take time off to have a baby. Yeah. I mean, regardless of what your education was back in the day. But she ended up having, she did not finish high school, unfortunately, because she had me. And this is a small enough town where they don't have those charter schools. Yeah, they didn't have charter schools like that. We were talking very small town Texas. and Which this small town still doesn't have that, right? No, I mean, no, we don't. They can, you know, if, well, they have those programs where if they know if high school kid ends up pregnant, they're going to help, especially during their senior years or last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, babies almost say they don't get them rushed through it. Oh, okay. So if they had the baby before graduation, okay. they probably got the word done something about graduate. But oh, now, okay. but back then they didn't have that. No, they didn't have that. So my mother was two credits shy of graduating her diploma and an associate's in cosmetology. Shit. Oh, she was gangster. My <laughs> mother was a gangster. Um, and it's really cool because growing up here, and going to the same school that she went to and going to and having the same teachers that she had right, was absolutely amazing. But at the same time, it was kind of weird because I've heard stories about some things that my mother had did back in the day. And she decided to go and uh, I'm not going to say curb stomp, but say she shoved the bitch through the, uh, wind, the uh, windshield of a Trans Am. Wow. She called her a nigger. And Whoa. that is one word in my family that no, no. Yeah. And I was, well, let me ask you this. My, well, really nothing, my family was, is kind of racist and kind of redneck. Yeah. And yeah. I heard that word my entire life growing up. But if anybody else outside my family said it, it, it still no to this go. day boils my blood. Almost so, as bad as the word fag. Right. Oh, yeah. So, okay, let me ask you this. So, and then we'll get right back to your mom. Mm. Um, so, you, she had a reputation 
Did you have a hard time in school because of that reputation? Not really. Really? Honestly. Okay, cool. She was a great student. Yeah. And that was weird. Because. Obviously, she was a fighter. Oh, I mean, she. Oh, yeah. She's not afraid to hold her own. But from the intel I've gathered over my years and learning that. Kind of learning how small town America works, yeah. if you will. Where, you know. It's kind of like, cheers, everybody knows your name. Well, shit, I'm 37, still learning. I know. And we grew up, like, neighboring towns. Yeah. So, you understand this, too, that some, peop- some people will automatically assume, oh, well, that's, you know, Carolyn Dawn's son. He's going to be a douchebag or whatever. Yeah. And there's someone's like... That was the greatest woman in the world, which is what I hear most of the time. She was a sweet woman. She had a heart of gold. Yeah. But fuck with her friends and fuck with her family. She's coming for you. And she she's going to get you. And I get that from her because, as you know, and as my husband can tell you, and my very, very, very close family can tell you, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. You, Rip, are one of the closest people in my life. I will take a bullet for you. That's you know I would. Same you here, or right? the beautiful wifey or the children wifey that I love very, very, very much. I will take a bullet for Stone's entire family. And I know he would do the same for mine. Yes, I would. That's all about this time. About this area and having... I got to move off. My husband and I, we got to move. I, we moved to Austin for we lived there for almost three years. When we first met, we actually met through my sister. And she told me this gay bar. I just come back from Ohio because I want to go after I was 18 and graduate high school and just see the world. But I made it to Ohio. Ohio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Blah. <laughs> I can't see that. That's my sarcastic. I'm whacking it in the air and, you know, throwing it away. Sploosh. Boys. Wow. Sploosh. <laughs> okay. I watched way too much Archer. But anyways, that's oh, the shit. best part about this town. Yes. Okay. So. Your mom was she's she's badass, man. So That's where I get it from. She passed away when you were little and you were passed back and forth from family members? So from the time uh she died fifteen months old till about seven, I went through one, two, three, five family members. Uncles, aunts, what are we looking It was for that's what's so weird. I don't know how to say it because to me now, and as, you know, from at this point in time, I didn't remember that. Yeah. I, I just remember these things. For, it would be my mother's. I went from her mom, so my grandmother. Uh-huh. Actually, rewind that. I went, her mother, which would be, yes, my grandmother. And then I went to her sister. And then I went from her sister to where I'm at now. And it's really weird. So my... Grandmother's sister. <laughs> it's so hard yeah. to explain. My grandmother's sister, her name, I can use her own name, ain't nobody gonna know her. So my grandmother's name was Lee, which is. Your last name. Yes. Now, with Lee, her sister was Ethel, who is my father's mother now. My now father's mother, my adopted father's mother. Okay, okay, okay. So I went to him. Or I went to technically. That wasn't even your family member. No. Technically, I'm not blood related to anybody I'm talking about right now at all. But wow, legally, <laughs> I am. Yeah, because of the, the because papers, of the, the way the, the the birth records were changed. But no blood loss. No. I have no blood relations people, but for 30, almost six years, have accepted me and loved me as their own. 
There you go. But, okay, so seven. You were awarded. So seven, I was awarded to the court. I was awarded the court, awarded to, you know, Don and Jeanette. We'll just go with that because yeah. it's nowhere near their real names. But, uh, and since seven years old, Don and Jeanette have been my parents. Okay. And then I've got, well, in between, and there have older, been a right? few times throughout. They, they were older when they got you, right? Uh, let's see, Jeanette, let's see, she is. No, she's not That's in her okay. 70s. She's born in 48. Oh, yeah, she yeah, is 71 said. now. She'll be 72 in July. 48. Yeah, so she'll be 72 so, yeah, in they July. Were so they were, I think mom was, and I'll call her mom because I've been calling her mom since I was about yeah. 10. So it's been 20 something years I've been calling that woman mother. So she was one forty eight, fifty eight, sixty eight, seventy eight. She was forty five ish. Okay, and so it's a little bit older. My dad, her husband, is twelve years older than her, so he was yeah. almost sixty. Yeah. And now my dad is eighty three. He is currently in a nursing home, not doing too well. Um, my mother is seventy one. Like I said, she'll be seventy one this year. She's still doing okay, but. She has her health issues, so. Okay, so before you were awarded them, you were growing up pretty much rock I and was, roll, right? I was kept in the fam in my mother's family, legal family legal for family. the most part. There were a couple times where I had been, you know, placed other places just because, you know, due to deaths and whatnot mm -hmm. and legalities they had to move me around. So I yeah. do have a couple of other adopted sisters. Okay. So I'm looking at a total of five sisters and four brothers. I think I have wow. nine total. Not legal, but yeah. Not legal, but That's they, they have major are. influences on my life. I've claimed them since I was really young because it's just some of the first memories I had. Because like I said, with my mother, besides a picture... Cannot remember her face. Well, you were only 15 months when she yeah. passed away. So. But I can remember things after her. My very, I remember the very first picture I took. I was two years old. I was sitting in a wicker chair wearing a Superman sweatsuit. That's legit. Oh, legit, because I'm a, I'm still a, a Marvel entity. DC fan. There you go. To this day, I love them both. I don't <laughs> care. Uh, fuck the haters. Don't care. I can love them both. That's just how I roll. But they always say with people you love, and I can see my mother's face right now. Like she's my ex tattoo, actually. Yeah. It's gonna be. I'm gonna have her portrait on on uh, my my upper thigh, but. They say with loved ones that you lost, the first thing you forget is our smile. And I have one picture on my phone of my first birthday of me sitting in her lap with my smash cake. Yeah. And her looking down and smiling at me. That's I will awesome. never forget that smile. That is That's super cool. thing about it. And my family has been really, really cool <laughs> now that I've gotten older to kind of let me know and bring me you know, my, my sister. My sister Lynette, not gonna use her real name. My sister Lynette, she uh, last year for my birthday. For I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but when my mother passed away, she passed away uh, in a car accident. Mm -hmm. She was thrown seventy four yards from the car after it had after they had ran head head on into a semi drunk. I don't know who was driving. Um. My mother was wearing a necklace with my initial on it. Oh. My sister still has that necklace. She went out to the shop where she got hit the night that it happened and found that necklace for me. Damn. And I I couldn't take it from her. I told her she had to keep that down. Her and my mother were very, very close. That's cool. They were they were sisters. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, that was her sister. They were the same age minus a year or two. 
Yeah, they kind of grew up together. They grew up together. They raised each other. They took care of each other. And she was only 19 when she died, right? Yeah, she was 20 when she died, 19 when she had me. She died 20, no, she's 21. three months before her 21st okay. birthday. Yeah, okay. Wow. Damn. So she made it to 20. And my sister um, brought me this awesome picture the other day, uh, or for last year for my birthday, and it was 12 pictures of my mother from first to 12th grade. That's cool. So I got to see I see some pictures of how my mother grew up and what she looked like as she grew up. That's awesome. My family has been really, really cool about expressing who my mother was and why they loved her and why they took her. And yeah. Not so much why they took her, but the fact that they couldn't, they looked at her and like, we have to have her. Yeah. We can't tell, you know, we can't tell my grandmother Georgia no. Right. I got no, yeah, I see what you're saying. Because, I just can't use her. Yeah, you just can't use her real name. But yeah, that's that's the a person they have to have yeah. in their life. Yeah, and that's that's it's kind of neat. No, I absolutely. So okay, so let's take a quick break, uh, and uh, we'll pick up after you were awarded to the family. Yes, okay. Don and Jeanette, ladies Don and gentlemen. I'm Rip Stone, along with Draven Lee. You're listening to You Be Known. We'll be back right after this. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Rip Stone. You're listening to You Be Known with Draven Lee. And uh, Draven, where we left off just a minute ago was uh, you were awarded to your new family by the state, technically not adopted. Yes. And uh, let's pick up from there. All right. So, I was just said, um, I was awarded the court, and I was awarded the court from 7 to 18, so for 11 years I was awarded the court, I was never legally adopted, but this family was my family, this is the only family I ever knew. Um, a lot of things went on during those 11 years, um, I finally discovered the fact that I was adopted, or I guess would be the word I would use because that's what I use all the time. I was adopted um, when I was about nine. And that's also about the time I found out I was also of mixed race. I was not aware for the first few four and a years of my life that I was biracial. Because you, you were raised by white people. Once again, by a basically a racist redneck white family. Yeah. Mm. And I didn't really see that. I never really saw color. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if the background noise is kind of nice, might be annoying to our listening audience. But if you give a little background here of the background noise, we're actually in Draven's backyard. So we're sitting on my deck. So right now. it kind of it's, it's kind of the ambience of where he. Where you're from, yes. where where you grew up, and where you live now. So that's why we moved out here. I thought it would be kind of nice to do all that. So it's a, it's a, I like the concept of it. Yeah. Okay. So you found out when you were 11. So you technically that's four years after you were awarded to this family. I found out before that. I mean, as far as no, I would say, I was about nine, eight or nine. Whenever I found out that I was, you know, actually. Legally, on my birth certificate, it says I'm Negro. That's okay. the 80s for you. Yeah. On my birth certificate, I am Negro. I have no father list on my birth certificate. I'm going to change my birth certificate to that. <laughs> you should. You know, well, you know your black word counts, so <laughs> it's all that matters. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, but I digress. I have a weird sense of humor, just to let you know. So, yeah, it's very morbid and very... It's kind of dirty, but... I enjoy it anyways. It's my sense of humor. But going back to discovering this, yes, I was about eight or nine. I discovered that I, it was a realization that I am of mixed race. And I didn't really get to know much about my mother because I was still. Did you talk to your parents about it? I did, and the reason why it came up was because of the fact I was filling out some paperwork for school, 
to participate on a thing was field day or something like that. And mind you, this is probably second, third grade. And so we're looking at 92, 93. I'm 9, 10. And uh, the paperwork, and I had heard that I was, I had heard through my family that I was, you know, black. Did kids call you? Like the N-word and stuff like that? No, but funny you should say that because I saw this paperwork for field day and I looked at my mother or my mama. My mama was like, hey. And these are the exact words I quote you not. At the time, I did not, I did not know what I was saying, but I looked at her and said, so do I put water or do I put nigger on this? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. And she said, you never use that word. That is... a." That's not who you are. You are not that word. And weirdly enough, it was kind of weird because I've heard my brothers use that word. But not in the same sense. You heard them use it derogatory. I've heard them use it derogatory, yes. And then I've also heard them use it as two black people use it with each other. Okay. And they're white, right? And they're white, yes. You know, and as a black person married to a white man, we say it to each other all the time. It's like, what's up, nigga? You know? Yeah. And that's one thing, but... It's culture. Yeah. And, that, and it's it's cultural appropriation at its best, too. It really is. But that's a whole other story for a whole different day. Right. Um, it was a little... You know, it's kind of like a kick in the chest. And... After I figure out that that word means something totally different depending on how it's used. Yeah. And at nine, ten years old, I was like, how the hell can somebody, you know, why would you call somebody that? I mean, I'm all innocent and happy, you know, carefree. I didn't see color. I had black friends, white friends, Mexican friends. It didn't matter. But I don't see. And I think I'm trolling off on the racism here for some odd reason. I'm yeah, trying not to do that, but it, <laughs> but it kind of, it kind of goes it along with the story. Directly affected me at a very young age. I never really thought about that till now either. Um, hearing myself at nine years old use that word, and realize I'm calling myself a derogatory name, let alone my mother who birthed me a derogatory name. Yeah, I never really made that correlation. Until I hit about, you know, the preteen years, or as I call them, the tween years, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, 12 and 13. Oh, you know, daughter, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. And, yeah, it was a little... Jarring? To say the least. Okay. To say the least. Yeah, I would, that's, a, that's a great way to describe that. It's very jarring. So... Discovering all that and then getting on in my, into my teenage years when I'm, you know, I'm a little bit more developed, I'm a little bit smarter, and I'm starting to understand a little bit more about life and about things about my past and my mother's past. I started digging, doing some light research mm-hmm. because at the time I didn't know anything about my mom. I thought they were, I thought my mother was the only one and she was adopted, so therefore. You know, I didn't have any other biological family. Yeah. That's what I thought for up until from 13 to about 24. Damn. <clears throat> and so, you know, I just lived life. You know, I went through my teenage years. We, I, my bro, Me and my brother, my uh, I've got with my parents now, there are two older brothers and an older sister. Mm-hmm. BJ, Tim, BJ, Tim, and Lynette. Tim is 10 years older than me. 10 years, 2 months, and... 10 years, 2 months, and a week, to be exact. And he was my best friend growing up. I love my sister. I love Lynette. You know, she was, she's 18 years older than me. My oldest brother, BJ, is 20 years older than me. He's, he's, he's in his mid-50s now. Um... All three of his kids, his youngest is my niece, is about to graduate high school, so all of his kids are grown now. So that's where that's where we're talking. And with Tim, Tim was a wild child. 
And he, I think from the stories I heard about my mother, Tim reminded me of her the most. Yeah. Because he knew her. He knew her too. He was okay. Born, he was born in the early 70s. She, my mother was five years older than Tim. Oh, okay. Okay. So with her being one of the oldest, because she's five, also five years older. See, she's five years older than my. No, so he was born He'd in be, 73. She'd be five years younger. She's 10 years older than him. 10 years She's older. She's 10 years older than Tim. So, like I said, she was brought in. She was adopted in this family basically at birth. Yeah. Birth to three months. So, she helped raise my yeah. brothers and sisters. Like, I've helped raise my brothers and sisters' kids. Like, all of my brothers and sisters all have three kids. Weird. Yeah. All of them have two boys and a girl except for Tim. Tim is the only one that has three boys. So... I've got I've got nieces and nephews. I'm, I'm a, I became a great uncle at 16. My oldest niece is 18 months younger than me. Damn. And she had her first child at 17. She was married at that too. They're still together. My mom is like that too. Uh, I think uh, she had cousins or niece. No, she had nieces that were like a year younger than her. Yeah, it's it was, just, that's it's really cool growing up the way that be able to grow up with my nieces and nephews. Yeah, that's cool. Know, I mean, I hope we, I raised them. Yeah, and when like was in, I love all of them equally. All of my nieces and nephews. I'm closer to some of them than others. You know, we all have lives. We're all busy now. I mean, we're all yeah. in our twenties and thirties now. My oldest nephew actually redid my closet for me two weeks ago. There you go. I'm 35. He's 33. That's awesome. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's so crazy how that turned out. And going back to it's so there's so much to to it's jostled. It's crazy. So going back to the childhood and growing up with this and discovering who I was at an early age. And then before all this even went down. I knew by the time I was five years old, it was gay. You knew by the time oh, you were five? 1988. I believe that was the year. It was either 88, 89, or 90. One of those three years, Bloodsport with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Came oh, yeah. Loved, loved the movie. That re- Akumate. Kumate. Kumate. Yeah. That man is the reason I know I'm gay. Wow. Okay. He was the living in for me. I've seen every movie that man has ever been in. I know he had his code problem, but people let that go. We all do our shit in our 20s. <laughs> it happens. I think he was in his. I think he was in his thirties when he did it, but that's okay. Maybe this time, you know, if you got a bald head in your ass, you better enjoy that shit while you can. Okay, so that man, and you know, discovering that and holding that back in for so long, and going through life and knowing that you're half black, and then you're adopted, and then you hit your teenage years, and I hit eighteen. I graduated high school. Uh, I moved off for a little bit. I came home. I met my husband in 2003, and we've been together ever since. But right before that, when I came home at the end of 02, I came home Thanksgiving weekend of 02. Actually, Thanksgiving night, I walked through my family's front door. I had been gone for eh, about five months up in Ohio, s- discovering myself, in other words, being a giant whore. <laughs> it happens, but you always use protection. I understand. Um, and yes, you do. You no, know, I mean, yeah, 18, yeah, no. 19 years old. I'm 18 this time. 19. And I came home, and this is after I discovered that I got home. And then the next day, the day weirdly enough, the day after I got home, or back to Texas from Ohio, I got this phone call. And they specifically asked for me. I go to the phone. She's like, is this Draven Lee? I'm like, yes, it is. Who am I speaking with? My name is my name is Lori Buchanan. I'm your aunt. I'm like, no, you're not, because I know that my mother has three sisters and four brothers, and you're not one of them. Yeah, you knew them. Yeah, I know my family. Yeah, you know your family. She's like, no, baby. I'm Carolyn Dawn's sister. I'm your aunt. Oh, wow. Oh, like, that's the other side. Uh-huh. That's the biological side. I'm like, oh, fuck. I was like, I thought all of you were dead. Yeah. How old is she at this time? So you're 19. Uh, uh, I came out I was 19. She was in her 
Let's see. Let's see. It would have made my mother. It would have made her. She had me at 19, so when I was 19, she would have been 38. So I would say 45. Damn. Okay. And, yeah, discover this one. Okay, I have an aunt. I've always heard my family talk about two specific people from Wichita Falls that were family friends. Mm-hmm. She was one of them. Her brother is the other. And holy crap, sorry for the interruption, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we apologize. We, the dog is not vicious, we promise. Oh my god. The dog was very protective. That's my that's my grandma. Yeah, a friend of ours showed up and, and the dog went ballistic. So okay. So aunt okay. aunt called. So yeah, from your dad's side. I have an aunt and we started talking and for at this point in time, this is two thousand and I two? No, it was maybe two thousand and four. Two thousand and five. So I get her actually she died in two thousand. Ten. I moved into the. We we bought this house ten years ago, and it's paid off this year. So, two thousand. Yeah, it was about two thousand and eight. We'll go eight. Okay, two thousand. Just been the same side. So, yes. So from 08 to about eleven, ten or eleven, we talked, and then she passed away of breast cancer. And then I found my biological uncle on Facebook, and messaged him <clears throat> and just probably explained, hey, is this your mother? He says, yes. How do you know that? I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. This is what happened. Explained it all pretty much just to like to a point I where he can't this deny is who it, right? This is, this is who I am. And then I sent him a picture of my mother and he comes back. He's like, I've seen that picture in my house before. And I never knew why this picture was there. Now I know. Yeah. He lives in Rhode Island. And we talk every once in a while. We He's follow, cool, though. We follow each other on Facebook. He knows about me being gay and everything. I told him, this is who I am. You don't like it. Sorry about it. But I just want you to know this is who I am to you. And yeah. if you want to make the effort, I would love to try. Mm-hmm. I have not got to meet him yet personally because he lives in Rhode Island and who I wants to go there? Travel up that way. Yeah, I would love to. I love, the New England area is very kind of fascinating to me anyways. So I'm always going to go see what's up with that shit. But, uh, yeah, it has been a very, and it's still a very winding road. Yeah, it's a roller coaster of family and emotion. Yeah. it's Emotionally, what does that do to you? Does it strengthen you or does it weaken you? That's a better question. That's totally strengthens me because I wouldn't be the person I am without the background that I've had. Yeah. From, you know, being basically orphaned to growing up in this specific family to coming out to marrying a black man in Texas to owning my own house before I'm 30. None of my other family, none of them own anything. Yeah. Except for the house that we grew up in and my dad sold that about 12 years ago. So I'll be the first, I'll be the first one to graduate college. Uh, the first one to have my house paid off. I bought it before I turned 30 and it's done. Done and done. Um, yeah, this is the final year. I have seven payments left and that's it. Look out. Coming at you, but I'm setting this world on fucking fire. Okay, so that is emotionally a uh, hell of a roller coaster. I mean, if you want to do a second interview with this, we can get deeper. Yeah, we Trust definitely me. get deeper. Let's dive into. Okay, so you, at five years old, yes, and stuff, and I don't want to harp on any of this or anything like that, but it's it's kind of a it's it kind of defines you, and it's it's interesting because. Yeah. You know, it eliminates the whole it's gay is a choice thing. Yeah. And, okay, five See, years old, I'm watching Bloodsport, Jean-Claude Van Damme. If you haven't seen it, great movie. 
Here's to you, JCBD. Jean Claude Van Damme, he was a sexy motherfucker. But okay, five years old, blood sports playing. I'm a huge, I'm, I'm a huge fighting fan. I love fighting. I can't do it very well myself, but I am. Right. Yellow Belt and Kimpo, but we. I mean, I we've mean, watched I'm boxing together and MMA yeah, and yeah, all that stuff. We love all that. And WWE martial arts has always been a really awesome thing to me. I've always loved just the way that works out. And Sean Claude Van Damme was a very true martial artist. He yeah, damn good at what he did. Well, Bloodsport comes out. And there's a scene in Bloodsport. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, we're at the house, we're watching Bloodsport, I'm laying on the floor watching TV, I'm glued to the TV, and my mom and her sister, so my aunt, they're all in the they're all in the dining room talking, which is the next room over, and there's a scene where a Jean-Claude Van Damme just got a shower, he's getting dressed, he puts on his underwear, and he pulls the back down to flop the ass out a little bit, so you know, you pull up of your ass, and I saw his ass, and I was like, oh my god, and I said, oh my god. And I was in love. And my aunt said, it looks like he liked that, didn't he? I looked at her and I said, I sure did. At five. At five. And since then, I mean, um, I would say when I started junior high, as most, you know. 12, 13. 12, 13-year-old children do. We started exploring sexuality and. I lost my virginity. I lost my virginity to a guy before I lost it to a girl. So you have lost it to a girl, though. Yes, or, I have. So, okay. Now I don't want to get graphic or anything All like right. that. So you're in junior high. What is what is going on? How did how is this? And and we're trying not to get graphic or anything like that. Let's just say, junior high. Start, okay, for me, specifically seventh grade. I met my my seventh grade best friend. Okay. Who shall remain nameless for this. And we were super close. I mean, we were cool. We had fun together. It was, we were both giant nerds. Mm-hmm. I mean, to this day, I'm still a giant nerd. I watch Jeopardy every day. I mean, right, right, right. I'm a Game of Thrones fan, Power Rangers. You know, I, I'm a giant nerd. We got as was my best friend. Well, we go through seventh grade year. We're both in band. I'm a, I'm a music junkie. I'm band and choir all the way. Yep. So we had a mutual love for music. And we were just really close. And say it was seventh grade. I was over at his house. I was spending the night. And, you know, seventh grade or... Yeah, well, seventh grade. We're boys. Doing boy thing. We all have penises. Penises get erected different times, and one thing led to another, and there was some fellatio going on. Okay. Who gave fellatio? You gave fellatio? Oh, it gave? was a mutual. It was a mutual situation. Okay. You know, it was one of those now. Is this is this person gay now or no? No. Okay. It's not. He's not. Um, still one of my very good friends to this day. Yeah. I mean, obviously. You know, I mean, he's gone through mm-hmm. his shit. He's got three kids now with two different women. He just got a he just got a prison actually for a DWI sentence. And I saw him the other day in the grocery store. Hugged like nothing. I mean, he is my best friend. Yeah. He was. That was something that we had to experience together. We consider each other our first boyfriends. Mm-hmm. He was my first boyfriend. And so, did you come out of the closet then? Did you? Did you know? To most people, yes, I did. I didn't come out officially to my family until I was eighteen. Yeah, but everyone kind of knew. Were you ridiculed? I mean, well, the thing was, from what I've told, from I've heard from my family, was when I finally came out. My brother, Tim, has been married to this awesome woman for 25 years. I love my sister-in-law to pieces. She is the best thing that ever happened to my brother. She's the best thing that ever happened to my family. And I talk to her every day. We work together. We work in the same place. 
we're in different departments, but we still work together. Two of my nephews, two of her kids, two of my nephews work there. So I see them a lot. But to my sister-in-law, if it wasn't for her, I would not be sitting here today. Why? When the time that she joined my family, my parents were in the middle of a very ugly divorce. Which, I mean, at this time, when my parents divorced, I was 16. Almost 17. I don't care. Yeah. This is a time when... Okay, so... To backtrack a little bit, my biological mother, Carolyn Dong, when she passed away, she left me roughly $2.25 million. Okay. In land assets and stuff that she had inherited from the family and then was passed to her. And then when she died, it was passed to me. So when she died at 15 months old, a lot of that, most of that was liquid. It was cash. And she had about 100 acres that she'd owned as well as well as a house that she had somehow acquired through all this. When she died, it became, and I think this is why in one of the earlier segments we talked about me feeling so privileged, Mm -hmm. was the fact that I was a power struggle. Were you a power struggle or for the money? It was for the money. Does it piss you off now? Yes. Because... Every, every penny of that, all, whatever, whatever it was that was left to me, was squandered by the time I was twenty. Yeah, yeah, that would. That was my legacy. Yeah, that was your mom. There was a hundred acres of land that I wanted to live on that I knew about. I knew about it right. in, in my teenage years. I used to drive out to that land. It was mine. Yeah. That was my it was So you're no more than ten miles down the road, rip right behind our mall. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly, yeah. There was this big house out there. If you go right behind the mall. Mm-hmm. And you take the right. And there's a big house at the giant wraparound porch. That big powder. Yeah, I know exactly house. what you're talking about. Yeah. That was mine. Oh, wow. That's and a beautiful house, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, I do know it. Yeah, it's really pretty. It kind of reminds you of the, of the, the Terra Plantation from Gone with the Wind. Not two story, though. Not two story, but it did have that wraparound porch. Right. It was a cross between that and South Fork Ranch, which I'm a huge fan of. But that was mine. So go back to your aunt. <laughs> so. I was super pissed off because of the fact that when I hit 17, 18, I still wasn't able to make the decision on what I want to do with it. It was all set up by some random attorney that the family had known and my legal guardians. So they were still able to have control of it. And it was used for everything else besides what it needed to be used for, which was me. Yeah. It was mine. They had no right to it. I was bitter for a very long time. But now it's just like, okay. How I did your aunt help you with all this? How did she help it? She she had no really she really had no way to help. Unfortunately, at that point in time she does she was already sick. And But you said your sister in law saved your life. And my sister in law came in at the time that my parents were getting divorced. And while they were fighting, she kept me stable. She woke me up and made sure I went to school. Yeah. And made sure I kept my grades up. She was just detrimental in me graduating high school when I was 17. My, I had already bought my first car with you know the money my mother had left me. Mm-hmm. And my senior year, I wanted a new one. I had kept straight A's for three years. So I got my first car my sophomore year, which was my 1993, my 93 Mercury Tracer. Whoa, whoa. I know that's right. And, uh, you know, I drove that for two years, sophomore, junior year, senior year. Hold on, I wanted a new car. 
Yeah. I was graduating. I had, you know, You're a fly I motherfucker. So, yeah. Class. I deserved it. Yeah. So I went and I talked to the attorney because me and the attorney were on. We were we were actually able to talk face to face on what I want, what I need. I'm 17. Yeah. I was like, hey, I want a new car. This car's not gonna last me much longer. I'm about to go to college soon. I need to have some. I need I need some reliable wheels. Okay. Well, you need to throw a car. I said, oh well, my niece is about to turn 16. She needs a good first car. I want to sell it to her. Mm-hmm. My sister wanted to buy the car from me. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this transaction happens. I sell my old car to my sister for my niece. I get my new car. Well, my parents decided that that was not cool because they thought they had control over it. Okay. But technically, it's my stuff. So yeah. I can do what I want to do with it. The car was not in their name. My name was on that title, not yeah. anybody else's but mine. Oh, my father, after my parents divorced, my mother moved out. I was still living at my childhood home because I was almost done with high school. It was halfway through my senior year. Yeah. And my dad kicks me out of the house after he whips my ass. I mean, he whipped my ass. He whipped your ass because of the car thing? That's what he says. What do you feel it was like for? Everything? Honestly, I don't know. You don't even know? know. Do you even want to know? Now? No. It doesn't bother me anymore. We've made amends to that. He's apologized to it. He's still never gave me a reason why it happened. Where'd you go? I ended up moving about 30 miles down the road. My best friend who had just graduated two years before me from the same school moved off. <clears throat> she had her two-year-old daughter. She was living in a town. It was about 30 miles away, small town, once again. That's all that is around here. And I ended up moving in with her. And driving 30 miles to school every day mm-hmm. to finish high school. So I was not going to, I wasn't going to go out like, like that. So she would get me up at 630 in the morning to make sure I was uh, the drum major of my high school band. Okay. I had to be at school by 730 because band was first period. But we had to have the extra practice because it was marching season. So football season is around. We're on the field. So we okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I would get up at 6 to 6.15, 6 6.30 every morning. Mick, Mick, Mick would get me up. She would you know, make sure I had food, gas. At this time, I was also working two jobs through high school. Yeah, and band, and, and studying. Band, and choir. I was busy. I never slept. But I somehow still graduated high school. And I think... Mick for most of that too because without her, I would have I would have graduated high school and yeah. Then I said I moved off and I came back Thanksgiving of two thousand and two. Came out to my family. We had all kind of made up in then, but I just I had to get away from this place. Yeah, I had to get out of here. This was it was toxic. When you came out to your family, was that a bigger deal than? Was it not as big a deal as you were thinking it was going to be? Honestly, it really... The one thing that pissed me off about the whole thing... How did it happen, too? All right, so... Two. I came home Thanksgiving night. Yeah. 2002. 18 years old. I walk in. Well, I knock on the door first. It was weird enough. I knocked on my own house door. My sister my sister came in. I walk in, and she just jumps up out of the couch... Like, she jumped out of her own skin and just ran and tackled me at the fucking door. Yeah. They, they hadn't seen me in five months. They didn't know you were coming home either. They had no idea. I woke up that day and it was like, fucking, I'm going home. Yeah. I miss home. This is not where I need to be. Because I had originally gone to Ohio, just not just to meet a guy, but I wanted to study at the um, Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I... <clears throat> ended up passing on. I had a full ride to Wellesley, which is the same school that Hillary Rodham Clinton went to. Now people once again not talking about a politics, just her education. But Wellesley's a damn good school. <coughs> I had a full ride to there and I had a full ride to UC Berkeley. But I don't know. I didn't want to do that. So went away, came back, wanted to go set the conservatory, didn't get in. It was like, okay, it's no big deal. Came back home, and 
walked in and it was the most amazing thing. I pulled my sister onto the side and I was wearing this rainbow puka shell necklace because it was the early 2000s and everybody who was gay wore puka shells. And I didn't I know that. My, but I asked her, I said, do you know what this necklace means? She's like, it's a rainbow. I said, do you know what the rainbow means? She's like, yeah. You're a huge homo. I'm like, Yes. She's like, we've known that most of us said most of your family she's like most of your family was known since you were born. Oh wow. Apparently I came out the womb gay. I don't know. I'm telling you right now, people, listen to your kids. <laughs> really. It's so, one of those things. If you adjust with this now as they're younger and if they are in their formative years and they know what's going on, listen to them. Because I guarantee you they know more about themselves than you do at this point. So you coming out at that time and you're pretty much everybody knew anyways, right? Mm -hmm. It turns out it wasn't even a big damn deal. It wasn't really that big of a deal. I sat there and bawled in my brother's arms like three and a half hours. And he's like, bro. He's like, dude. He's like, he, he looks at me he's like, sack the fuck up. I'm like, you are absolutely right. That's crazy. So, and then looking back, would you have come out sooner? God, if I would have known the movement like that, yes, I would have came out when I was fourteen. Yeah, when I came out to the rest of my friends in school. Yeah, because I had a girlfriend who I kept as a beard, who was actually a, who was actually a lesbian, who was actually my best friend to this day, and she's inside my house right now while I'm out here doing that's this. That's crazy. Okay, that's crazy. I mean, not crazy, crazy, but that's 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 wild. So, okay, now looking back, you knew you was for the longest time. This got to do something to the psyche too, right? I think it made me stronger. Oh, yeah? Like how? How? Stronger how? Willed? Stronger? Definitely stronger willed because... Mindset? I, and to this day, I still... Honey badger don't give a fuck. I mean, I am who I am. If you don't like it, if you don't like the peach, then what the fuck on by the tree? I don't care. I'm not going to make friends. I'm here to set this world on fire. I'm here to make a name for myself, to build my legacy, to leave something for my kids, to enjoy life with my husband and my family, and you are included in that, as you you are. We've been together for a long time. We have. And... I'm. I feel like that my upbringing, my childhood, the shit that I went through has made me into an amazing person, and I'm still, I'm still not done. I'm not done. There's a whole world out here that's got my name on. I want to get buy out of this big motherfucker. You damn right. And that is a good ending spot, I think. I really hope there's going to be a part two to this because there's so It's got to be a part two. It's going to have to be. Let's, let me get a couple chapters in, and then we're going to go into um, you and Lenny's on on part two in the next few few oh, weeks. that's going to be a good one. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. Because once again, if y'all don't know, like I said, we've been together for 16 years. Yeah. I met him when that's I was not his real name, by the way. So. I met him when I was 19 years old. And like I said, I'm about to be 36 in a couple months, and we're still together. So... So please stay tuned. If if you can take anything from this, you know, chapter today is that if you just stay who stay on your course and stay be you yourself, and stay true to yourself. Stay true to yourself and listen to after the all the wild ass stuff you went through too. This is we'll go we'll have another episode with you in it. Definitely. And you also said, too, you wanted to take over the podcast. I would once. love to guest host for you sometime. We might have to guest host for or me tag one time. This I mean, uh, I'm not afraid. I like the fact that you're doing this because, number one, we're just insanely nosy. But number two, people's yeah. stories are amazing. Yeah, that's that's the, the whole place, thing. Like, we've worked in the same place. Yeah. We met at my current employer. Mm-hmm. And... The stories that we hear and the people we work with, we worked with over 3,300 people. We have over 3,300 coworkers that we all still talk to and we've all gone our separate ways. And some people left the company, but people's stories are something that really give you insight to the world as a whole. Yeah. And I hope a lot of people are inspired by your story too, because 
you know, you knew you were gay that long, you know, and it took you that long to come out, yeah. and you were pissed that you couldn't have come out. You wanted to come out earlier, and, and you could have. I would have loved to, because it would have taken such a giant weight off of my shoulders from having to, you know, make sure I, wasn't, I had to please my family, so I right. had to uphold yeah, you don't want to piss them off. Yeah. I didn't want to piss them off, because I felt like I already had in the past from what me and my dad went through. And that's another thing we need to get into, too. Uh, that's once again people's small town America right there. Gotta we love it. Show out. Gotta love it. Well, we are in your backyard, but hey, listen, I thank you so much for coming on. I do. You are a beautiful person and you're inspiring to, to just be you. You will own it. And you, there's no question you're going to own it. I have to say thank you for talking me into this. Because oh, man. Because it's been the most amazing experience. And I can't wait to share my story with, uh, keep going in my story. Yeah. So. And, and and two, what's going to be great is your stories keep going. It's never going to end. It's exactly. Yeah. And your kids are going to be able to tell those stories too. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I really appreciate you. Draven Lee, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Ripstone. If you do not conquer self, you will be conquered by self. You're listening to the You Be Known podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you.